Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! Bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast right here from Soonerscoop.com, your Thanksgiving edition. As the entire crew is with us uh, here in studio, except for Josh, who is uh, back home, I'm sure probably in charge of the turkey coming up this apparently the turkeys are smaller this year all across the uh, land because of the uh, the inflation inflation and uh yeah i saw that there's like a uh, shortage on turkeys shortage. as well yep. mm-hmm. so one of uh, they did a story on like the uh, local news about that here in oklahoma city a couple nights ago uh one thing that i will tell you about eddie radosevich uh hanging around him in the office eddie radosevich is he, he is the youngest man that i know that is addicted about this. to local news. I watch. I watch news are a local all the news day. Hound. Yeah, I watch news you all the time. You love it. It is in I do your love blood. It. I do love it. I like to. Uh, be, I I would like to be the uh, like the judge of all local news. Watchdog. Like I the can. Obum, ombudsman. With right. Yeah. That's exactly what I want to be. Uh-huh. The ombudsman of Oklahoma City uh, local news, Tulsa local news. I take it all in. Uh, I have I have some thoughts about can, how to make it better. Well, it can be better. It can be better. I I don't like. I'm not gonna say that. There's not I'm been not, a lot of fear mongering so far. Well, not fear mongering, but uh, you know, we we had a good run in Oklahoma City over the last uh, two three years. I the the new crop needs to grow on me a little bit more than. Uh, and I'm talking about I'm not talking about the sports people. I'm talking about the news people. So uh, and you care about that stuff. You care about the news, people. Like you watch it all. No, I do, and I I take it all in. And uh, you know, I I know if I'm in the office at four thirty and Eddie's here, the, the news will be on. on. The, wall the news, on. The news yeah. will be on. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's better than any of the other stuff that's on. I mean, that's yes, the one. Is. That's the one thing about you that I think people don't know about that they should know. You care about local news. I watch. I support local news. Yes. All right. Well, uh, first off, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, Josh, Eddie, Bob. Uh, thank you. Thank you to all our listeners out there. Uh, you, you guys just continue to get stronger and stronger. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it is uh, it's it's fantastic to see how much this podcast has grown. The way you guys support us through merchandise and all that. Our great sponsors, uh, Prime Shrimp and Eskridge Lexus and Dead Soxie. And uh, they've got some great holiday stuff coming up, too. So uh want to help continue to help support them uh, for supporting the podcast and uh, thank you to all our super, Soonerscoop.com subscribers because we wouldn't be doing any of this if it wasn't for you guys. You guys are the the, bed, the foundation, the bedrock of uh, everything that we do, including the unofficial 40. So I uh, want to send our, our thanks to you guys. That's what we're truly most thankful for. Uh, and uh, I know Josh's and Bob's wife would uh, kill them if they said that that was the most th- thankful thing they were for. But you know what? 
they're not here. That's all I have. So <laughs> <That's all> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm thankful for it. You and me both, Edward. Uh, so anyway, uh, Brent Venables press conference. They were were uh, getting it in on a Tuesday because everybody's got Thanksgiving stuff they're going to do uh, before heading down to Lubbock uh, for the finale. And uh, just coming back from Brent Venables' press conference, Eddie's got the video going up on uh, on the, the site and yeah, in uh, YouTube. So uh, I don't know. Uh, let's go, Bob. I love going to you first for your first impressions uh, because people always say I talk over you and, and just I'm a terrible boss. But uh, let's get your first impressions on what you thought of what Brent had to say today. Well, I mean, a lot of big, big picture stuff and that comes with the territory this time of year. But obviously, I think if you're looking for the here and now – Talking about clock management was the story. You know, Garen asked a question about what you're learning still as a first-year head head coach, the growing pains, learning experiences, all, all that type of stuff. And that was a major point of you know contention from what happened Saturday night is what was going on from the second through the fourth quarter, from second and the third quarter, not being aggressive enough, and then into the fourth quarter, why aren't you just holding that ball? Just, you know, putting this game to, to, to bed once and for all. And He said we should have huddled. I, he, he, and you're sort of wondering, you can say that Tuesday, why weren't you thinking that Saturday, though? I think the, the aggression part of it was kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's their way of saying, like, look, we're not stupid, but even though everybody's saying, yeah, you're, you look kind of stupid coming out of that, I think what he's trying to say is, you know, we need to run our offense and we stop doing that. But at the same time, you didn't step back to think, yeah, maybe we shouldn't give the play to them until there's like 15 seconds left on the play clock. It still is bewildering. Like, yeah, I, I still don't is. understand what – and I still don't understand, like, what the miscommunication was. Like, it, it seems like it should be pretty simple. Even if Jeff Levy's up in the press box, you get on the phone and you say, hey, Dylan – <laughs> don't snap the ball until there's three seconds on the on the uh, play clock or don't, two seconds. Don't I don't kick a punt with 17 seconds left on the, it, the play clock. I, it's almost like they're trying to cover their ass and it wasn't talked about, but I just refuse to think that that wasn't talked about. I do think that that is the learning process for Brett Venables, though. I mean, he's over there. I was watching him like he was over there with a defense, yeah. like he was in the nope. like in yeah. the little tent with them. He was he like he was saying today, like he likes to keep those guys. Uh, you know, he likes to keep the pressure on those guys. So even when things are going Bad good, I thought he's it was... pointing out, you know, how, yeah, you got a sack, but you weren't even supposed to be there. Like you were supposed to be in coverage where the, where the guy was wide open that they didn't hit. Like he's, he's trying to tell them what he said at the beginning. It's not good enough. Like what you guys are doing. Yeah. You're getting stops, but you screw it up out there at the same time. I thought it was kind of interesting. And it might've gone under the radar a little bit that when he was talking about the recruiting stuff and how, he runs the defensive meetings and Jeff Levy runs the offensive meetings. And I, not necessarily that it's not something that we didn't already know, but I, you know, I, I think that that was maybe the first time that he's just openly said, like, I run the defense. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just been reading too much into that, but I thought, I thought that was kind of fun. Josh, we, uh, you know, we rant and raved after the game on the post game podcast, uh, I know it had to have been frustrating to go back and rewatch during the Monday Morning Idiot. Uh, what the hell, man? I I haven't even made it back to that point. My my biggest problem with the whole thing is there are three points that should stop that. Jeff Lebby knows better. 
If he doesn't, Brent Venable should catch it. And if he doesn't, Dylan Gabriel has a ton of experience and should know we're damn well not snapping it before the before five seconds are left on the play clock. Sure. Like, there are three points where that should be caught and not allowed to happen. And at no point on any snap in the fourth quarter did it happen. And I, I don't know how... I, I don't know how that gets explained or how that's not a like someone saying that's completely on me. That's my mistake. I should have. And I know Kerry talked about Brent being in the, uh, you know, being with the, the defense. And, and that's part of the problem, guys. Like, I, I wonder and I, I think you guys talked about the postgame pod. Like, there is that first year coach issue where you don't want to micromanage. Like I get that. I think that's the right way to handle it, but there are certain things if it's wrong, like that's not a play calling situation. That's, this is how the team wins. By the way, Bob doesn't know this, but we've started leaving Easter eggs in the pod for him to see if he listens or not. We've determined that he doesn't listen. Bob did not listen. He did not listen. I don't listen to any pods. I just listen to the ones we, we record. I'm the same way, Bob. Podcast if I wasn't here, I wouldn't have known either. Podcast ambassador, Bob Prisvillo. <laughs> God, how how do we how did we suddenly become the oldest podcast on planet Earth? Eddie watches nothing but broadcast <laughs> television, and Bob doesn't listen to podcasts. That's right. We're just going off of a cliff here pretty soon. <laughs> Our sponsors are, are going to become preparation That'd age. Be fine. That'd be fine. <laughs> uh, no, so, yeah, I mean, it is it, – It you can say it's baffling. This is first-year head coach stuff. I mean, like, I feel so stupid about everything. Like, we actually had a pod that says, we think OU is actually going to be better off without Lincoln Riley because of this and this and that. I still contend that even if Lincoln Riley stayed, Caleb Williams probably would have left anyway. Uh, but, like, we did not account for all the bumps and bruises that would be, you know, suffered along the way. It just seems like it's simple stuff, though. I mean, yeah. that, that's and so it's I, baffling. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's to the point where you go, it shouldn't happen. And that's why, you know, I, I think when you were in the when we were in the dark period there, when they're losing three games, and they're getting shut out of the Cotton Bowl and stuff. You go, can he do this? Like I that right. it was a mm-hmm. very it's it's not being critical. It's a very simple question. I don't know how to ask the question because I know a lot, a lot of people have been wondering, too, but. It's almost like there's times he's trying to act the role as a head coach because he doesn't have that fire on the sideline. So people are like, who is this yeah. Brent Venables that's on the sideline compared to the one that I knew and loved from 15, 20 years ago? But it's the same thing with like Bob Stoops. Like He was a maniac on the sideline when he was a defensive coordinator. He stopped doing that when he was a head coach. Like Bob was like Mike was. All the time, except when he became a head coach, he was like, you know, I can't do that. I have to show these guys that I'm under control. Like, he can still be intimidating. He can still be a guy that people are afraid of. And, you know, all the stuff that you want to be, you want you like Bob was that guy as a coach. But I think he just knows from especially with Bob and Bill Snyder, like those guys competed and wanted to win more than anyone. You just can't act like a jackass on the sideline when you're a head coach. I mean, who does that? That's a head coach. I Matt mean, Campbell totally disagrees. Yeah, Matt Campbell disagrees, yeah. <laughs> and it's not going necessarily well for Matt Campbell right now. He's going to be sitting at home during the bowl uh, season. I mean, there's one guy that does it, but he has a little bit more. Uh, his, Saban? His trophy case is <laughs> yeah. big enough that he's allowed to be able yeah. to do that. He gets away with it. And he, I mean, he does it sparingly, though. Like, I mean, 
He gets pissed and he throws his headphones, but it's usually at really critical moments. Yeah. Well, I think Brent, if he let it, if he let the floodgates open, they'd never close. <laughs> yeah. Every play. Well, but but Carrie, the, the difference that you know you mentioned, Bob, and I agree with you. Like I think there's merit to what you're saying. Bob didn't run his own defense. Like Bob, Bob wasn't divided right. on what his where his but time he had was. Brent spent. And Mike to do that for him. Exactly, and that's my whole thing. Like because I thought it was very telling. When Eddie said it earlier, and I thought it was very interesting. That was the first time he's really said, "I'm leading the meetings. Like it's me. This is my mm-hmm. this is my show kind of thing." Like, and that people have asked, you know, like, "Oh, if if OU was going to do something different." To me, that's the question. Brent either has to be, you know, and you don't really see it defensively. A lot of OC guys will still call their own plays at, when they become head coach. And I, I don't have a problem with that if that's what you're going to do. But if that's the case, then. I, I don't like. I mean, I, I think there's some different things you could do with your staff, or you give it to Ted Roof and let him run the defense, and you be the head guy. But remember, like, I, mean, I, uh, I feel like it, it's living half pregnant. Hold the hold on though. Remember that 2014 Baylor game when Trevor and I got paralyzed for a little bit. Remember the 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 altercations that Mike Stoops had on the sideline with his with like Julian Wilson. Julian Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Like yep. at that yes. point, they were like, we have to get him off the sideline. Like. You cannot have someone like that on the sideline in this day and age because the whole all of society wants to cancel you and say you can't treat young black men like that. Or you, you know, it's like it's just the times we live in. You cannot be a coach that is just dressing down a player on the side. It looks terrible. I, and they had to move Mike Stoops to the to the the press box. I, I don't have any problem with that part. That that that's I, I agree. I mean that that's just the world that we live in. Brent does it still, but I think he does it in a uh, in a different way. Yeah. Like I, he will follow somebody over to the sidelines and chew, you know, chew their yeah. ass. But but it's specifically because he didn't do this or that. Like, yeah, he's coaching. He's and, he's and, teaching. And he's not at the same losing time. them. Right. Like, right. Right. I think he does that. Mike had, like Mike the, had lost it. Like yeah. that, that that went off. That the was deep that end. 2014 game was probably where Mike. You know, he you lost realize everything. like. It's it's too far gone now. Yeah. So, but like Brent on the what was it the Woody Washington pass defense in the yeah he lost his shit. That was the he biggest lost his shit. There. That that was the one moment this year that I was like, oh, there you go, there it is. There's Brent. <laughs> that, yeah. That's it. He lost his By shit. Way, that was not a pi. No, no it was, it it was awful. And you know, I think the the fun thing is at the time it's twenty eight to three. Yeah. Like I mean, he's he's they got a coaching hard and that. losing his shit. Yeah. At that moment, and it's a twenty five point game. And guess what? They ended up scoring their only touchdown after that. After they saw their coach lose his shit on the sideline. Yeah. So maybe that says something. Maybe it probably doesn't say anything. But uh, I, yeah, I don't think it's a pi. But I know I will hear from people on Twitter if I don't actually state this because I got into it with several people. Yes, you did. You can't have your hand that high up on the shoulder. You just can't. Like you're, you're gonna get called for that sometimes. Like and Woody I, again. I don't think it's a pi. Like I get it, and they're fighting, and Woody's turning for the ball. But it's kind of like when, like, a hold between the shoulders, nobody ever notices. But when a lineman's grabbing up there on a shoulder, like the top of a shoulder pad, it's going to get seen. Like, it, it's just, it's more visible, and you're opening up the chance for that to happen. And at that point in the game, it looked like the referees were taking mercy on Oklahoma State. Like, hey, here, have another chance at it, because this has a chance to get awful. Now, they had, nobody had any way to know that the game would end the way it did, but... It, it just, like I said, that to me, it was, it was more about like it just needs to be a little cleaner than like, oh, this is clearly pi. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, what I see people getting away with though now, I mean, to me, oh, that's just sure. like, 
Sure. I mean, there's like, lots I, of people that get get away with barring an arm, and you know, it's yeah. I, especially oh, I, over the middle of the field. And the, the, I think the thing that OU fans are mad about, they've seen it on the opposite end, where a guy does that to their wide receiver, to an OU call. wide receiver. Brady you, Willis Baylor. You never get the. You never get the. <laughs> Brady uh, the Willis Baylor. Why couldn't Brady still, Willis uh, get a second hand hell, on it? They're still living in the memory of Bedlam last year <clears throat> on that final play. Trey West, oh, sure, yeah. The play that really changed everything. But I, I mean, look, I think it's it's that thing where we're, yeah, we're we're harping on the 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 offensive stuff and not you know the the clock management and things like that. But you know, I, you go to Texas Tech this weekend, you play well, you somehow come out with a win. You're seven and five. Like, I think everybody would have said seven and five was fantastic after that three game losing streak. Yeah, seven. I, I mean, mean, coming back from West Virginia. Seven and five people sure. would have like <laughs> I I made my lock of the week Oklahoma State on Monday because I was so just disgusted. Yeah, it's seven and five, and then if you can parlay that into a uh, you know a solid bowl victory, and you know you're probably going to play an SEC team or maybe a Big Ten team. Uh, maybe there's still an outside chance you could sneak into an Alamo Bowl if something you know really broke uh, the wrong or the uh, the right way for you. But if you can get to eight and five, you keep. And it seems like everything as far as, you know, P.J. Adebore or, you know, you add a Peyton Bowen and we'll talk about the recruiting aspect of things, but you close strong there and you finish with a top five, top, top six class, all of a sudden 2023 looks a little bit more cleaner than maybe you thought it was going to be even, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Well, really, I mean, Josh, I, I know we got recruiting to go, but we have to ask it coming out of this game, like, could there have been a better performance for this defense than this weekend because, I mean, you know, it's not like they've been, it's not like they've been giving up 49 again, but, you know, 38 to Baylor, uh, whatever it was to Well, the sad thing West is, Virginia. if you would, 23, if you would have, if you would have just, if you would have just beat West Virginia, I think you're looking back over these last two weeks going, the defense has played pretty well. Yeah. Like, if you would have been able to get that C.J. Colton interception if you don't line up off sides. Or the R. Mason Thomas is third and twenty-two instead of first and ten, uh, or you don't give up the twelve-play drive to end the game in Morgantown. Like they, and I know those are like a bunch. That's of, a lot yeah, of. Those, they're, 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 three, they're three. But they <laughs> Just, did play well. All things considered, they weren't it's ready better for than where it's been. Garrett Green, they they've admitted they weren't ready for it. It's, it's better where it's been than where it's been. So I. But I don't to have know. the big recruiting weekend, to have those stop after stop after stop, tremendous. To have the turnovers, the interceptions, the tackles for loss, the sacks. I mean, you you basically made Spencer Sanders look like a guy that had to be carried off of the field. His jersey was just completely covered in grass, like. I, I, I can't imagine a better for what they're trying to do and build this defense in depth. Like I can't imagine a better show than what they put on Saturday. No, th- there really couldn't have been. Cause like you said, I mean, it's, it's about who was there. I mean, their three official visitors were all defensive guys. Um, you know, then you throw in some of the key, you know, the, the biggest unofficial visitor is Peyton Bowen. Uh, you know, a, a guy that obviously has been up there numerous times and, Kind of interestingly, almost, you know, um, one of those guys where he was there early in the season, he was there later in the season, and now, you know, or kind of middle of the season, and then obviously there for Bedlam. Like, he's almost gotten to watch this defense grow up a little bit. Like, kind of see, like, okay, here's where they were, here's where it fell to, and now they're starting to figure it all out. And I, you've got to think there, there's something enticing in that. Like, okay, like, we, we've I've watched these guys – 
as this staff gets a chance to teach them and they learn under them a little bit and under year one really watching that that growth. And uh, again, I mean, I know we want to get into more of the particulars of recruiting in a little bit, but I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, they, they hit the right notes with a lot of these guys. Um, you know, uh, just from a perspective of this is like there's potential here because guys, one of the interesting things about this is there is still a perception that Oklahoma state's a good offensive team. They're not really at this point in time, but for those recruits, like they think of like, it's kind of like when OU goes into a place and maybe they're having a down year offensively and the, and the team could say, look at all the stops we got against a, you know, a, uh, you know, a Trevor Knight led offense or whatever you want to say, like, Hey, it looks great. Yeah. You know, it's not that Oklahoma offense, but it's still good. Great. It's kind of the same way with this Oklahoma State. It looks – I mean, it was really good, and it looks even better than it was. You know, just you mentioning that, the, the crazy thing to me is, like, Baylor's season has been prettier from, you know, the perspective of they haven't been blown out by anybody, but they've really had a crappy season compared to what, what, what they've been. I mean, they're essentially OU without the ugly losses. They were playoff team for Desmond Howard. Well, that also at least it wasn't Pitt, JoJo, Texas A and M, Aggies, Pitt, <laughs> Baylor. There's a lot of teams that. Who are was his four? Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course it was. Of course it was. That's just blind luck being a homer, isn't it? Yeah. So, by the way, uh, it is Thanksgiving. Um, you're going to have a lot of leftovers sitting around, uh, and you know there's going to come a day when you're going to have to throw those things away, and it'll be good if you had some prime shrimp in your freezer. Uh, to take care of it when everybody's sick of cooking and you just need a good meal and all the like I said all the leftovers are gone but go to primeshrimp.com p r i m e shrimp.com and uh g- look Josh has had them I've had them uh I still got some in my freezer that uh, I'm going after I mean it's a big meal uh for one person it really is for two people so uh go check them out primeshrimp.com they've got all the different type of seasons uh that you can try out whether it's the uh, garlic and herb butter, uh, or the uh, signature uh, seasoned, the Louisiana shrimp boil, French Quarter Alfredo, gar- uh, or the uh, Simply Shrimp, and then the new lemon and cracked pepper, uh, which Josh is uh, a big fan of, and his wife uh, took it, didn't didn't puke uh, after her pregnancy scare of lemon pepper chicken. So you know it's good. Uh, PrimeShrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E-S-S-H-R-I-M. Primeshrimp.com, you know. Uh, use that promo code SOONERSCOOP, get $20 off your first order, and uh, we appreciate you guys supporting them uh, as always. So, Primeshrimp.com, great sponsor of the podcast. Okay, so Texas Tech coming up this week. Uh, they are an interesting team because they basically run two different offenses. Depend- or, on who's quarterback? And, and this is another team, guys. They will go for it on fourth down all over the field. Like, this is... This is a new – like, you talk about the defense last week. This is testing whether or not you've really made improvements because you're going to face another one of these teams that just will not Where OSU won ball. it. Where OSU, yeah. So, you know, you stopped them on third down. You knew your job was done. That will not be the case Saturday. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things, too, and I think that Brent talked about it today at his press conference just as far as it's – kind of a test to just see just in general how they handle success because anytime that this yeah. team has had success this year uh 
let's be honest. They've come out and kind of shit down their leg the next week. We did our job this week. Yeah, like they have not handled success, particularly on the defensive side of the football, very well. And I think it's a test that they do play well at home. Average about 40 points a game. Uh, they're five and one at home. They beat a you know a a good Texas team. I don't know if we're going to call them a great Texas team, but uh, I think it's a it's a test in that. Let's see where this thing is at, uh, and you know maybe we'll 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 find out a little bit more here in the regular season finale to see if this thing really is headed in the right direction. Because it probably in the long run, I don't think that it's going to be the difference in getting a. Peyton Bowen if you go lose on Saturday or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I do think looking back on a seven and five is gonna leave a much better taste in your mouth than it would a six and six. Like six and six just it's it I know it's just one game, but it just it's gonna feel different if you can walk out of Lubbock with a win and a good performance. Yeah, they're gonna have to fight the emotional letdown from from Bedlam. I mean, we all know there was senior night. It was Bedlam. It was getting that sixth win, and they did it all in an emphatic fashion, and now they have to be able to still have that one-game-at-a-time mindset that Brent preaches. But, I mean, I thought the mood felt a little different yesterday, just being at practice. It's kind of like, all right, we did what we needed to do. Yeah. No, seemed like every, no. It seemed like there was a weight off their shoulders yep. a little bit. That, I thought they, they didn't have to carry that weight around Bingo. being a – just a fucking failure, you know? I thought one of the things that Brent said today that was interesting was, like, he has players saying, I wish we had more games. Like, they're getting a taste of good football. They want more of it, even though they're here at the end of the season. Now, here's the problem with Tech, is because they do go forward on fourth down so much, they will bring in uh, oh, who's God, Donovan Smith. And, mm-hmm. I mean... He's a problem because he's the exact type of quarterback that this team has had problems with all year long. Uh, And they bring him in third and short, fourth and short. Can you stop this guy? And I assume, I don't know, is Morton done or is he back? He didn't play last week in Ames. It was was Donovan Smith. And Schaub actually played most of the snaps and it was Donovan Smith that came in and he would run the ball a little bit. Yeah. I don't right. even think and he And that's what I've seen them doing ever since the TCU game is uh the shot guy. I can't even I just know it's a weird Tyler Show. Show. Tyler Show. It's, I it's just know he's a kid from Oregon. G H. Yeah. A, uh, Chandler, Arizona. Well he transferred well, from Oregon. He went yeah, yeah, yeah. transferred from Oregon. Yeah. Uh but he uh he does run the show and he's not great moving around, uh decent arm, but yeah, I mean that's the challenge of this is you know when they bring in their running quarterback is, is to get him down. Yeah, and it's two teams that kind of mirror each other. I mean, they're, they're both looking to finish seven and five. They're both six and five. They're kind of going after the same thing. Uh, you know, Billy Bowman talked about that a little bit on Monday night, just as far as they, they're, they're both aiming for the same thing. I don't know if they're aiming for the same type of bowl game, but you win on Saturday, you're going to put yourself in a little bit better shape to, uh, you know, not have to go play in a college stadium. Uh, for your bowl game, and I, I, that should be the uh, that should be the goal to avoid the armed forces bowl or whatever bullshit they'd be sent to. You know, str- strange enough, I actually I don't think Tech has been as up and down as OU. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know that's what's like Joe McGuire. They've had it going right the entire year. They've played some really good teams and haven't been able to 
finish the job, you know, but they had to go to Stillwater, had to go to Fort Worth. Like they've had to play some of those tough games on the, on, uh, on the, the road. The, the game that we listened to on the way back from Ames was their only clunker. You, you turn the ball over five times. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. But for the most part, you know, it's, it's like they've been getting better. It's what Brent Venables was hoping to get from his team this year was getting better every single week. And that, that's why Sire's going to be a real toss up. And their defense, I mean, they're not bad. I mean, they're they not not having you. Wilson hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they will strike you. Like they they aren't afraid to come up and hit somebody. So uh, there's going to be a little resistance there. And and you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this offensive handle. Are they going to tippy toe around? Are they going to come back out aggressive uh, and kind of put that those three quarters behind them? Like this is this is another game. Dylan Gabriel's probably never played in an environment quite like Lubbock. I mean, that place is insane. So. Um, it's it's going to be a test for this offense for sure. Well, and I mean, I it's official that they have a third down problem. I mean, that what they've done over oh, the last God. two weeks, Oof. going two for twenty five or whatever it is over the last eight quarters on third down. And I, you know, the the crazy thing to me is is it's not like they're getting behind the chains. It's not like the Kansas State game where you had all the pre snap penalties and you just can't get over the hump. They're sitting in second and three and not being able to pick up a first down. They're sitting in, I think, the longest third down that they had in the second half was a third and six or a third and eight in Bedlam. Like, it's 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 very fundamental problems. And, you know, half of it's execution. Uh, the other half of it is probably a little bit of play calling. And, you know, Jeff Levy talked about it on Monday just as far as, you know, what we talked about the Open, being more aggressive and all that kind of stuff. So it, the 16 for 18 thing is weird. Like, he said that they ran the ball 16 of 18 times. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Like, we went back through the play, like, the uh, stuff this week, unless he's claiming, like, bubble screens and stuff like that is part of their quote-unquote run game. Stuff behind line Which, you know, if that's what it is, that's fine with me. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, it just – it's, it's shocking to look up and they get to second and, like, you know, Eric Gray rips off a seven-yard run and they can't pick up a first down. You know, the, the the most perplexing thing to me is not – I mean, like, I, I feel bad because I always liked the kid uh, the year that Theo Weiss has had. But it was strange that they named him a captain for this game. Like, it kind of shows you that he's a guy that people still respect. I mean, he I've seen his – so I'm, I follow him on Instagram. Like, he seems to be a guy that's, you know, not, you know, pissed off or, you know, he's he's playing the part of a team player. Uh, it's just like, if we look at everybody's careers at Oklahoma and think like, I can't believe that one didn't go better. He's number one on my list. It's, it's disappointing yeah, in terms of, he just never really like, it feels like he never really had the chance because of the injuries Yeah, and you thought it was going to be this year and it just never, you know, obviously a little bit of that has been because of just offensive struggles in general, not having a quarterback for two games didn't help. I think if he hadn't been hurt when Caleb Williams took over, he would have become a you know, he would have become a Mims like type, per, you know, problem in this offense. But like, like Spencer Rattler tried to make him kind of one of his go to guys. Remember, like all the drops that he had the yeah. Iowa State game. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then he gets hurt, and then then they get to a point where Williams takes over, and he and Marvin Mims get such a connection. Like the, he just he just got lost in the shuffle. It was just the second half of this year. They just they changed it up to where Drake was always on the field, and mm -hmm. Drake, Farouk, Mims were were your three receivers, and that's just the way it came down the last three, four games where Theo got probably 10 to 15 snaps, and I think he's had like five catches in the second half of the season. I'll yeah. be honest. I can't remember 
another coach that relied on three receivers like that consistently. Like, is that, you think about even when Lincoln Riley was here, remember, like, uh, uh, Hollywood Brown, like, he didn't really emerge until, like, six, seven games into the season. Like, guys would emerge. I mean, like, but you had, like, Sterling Shepard, Mark Andrews, and all these guys, D.D. Westbrook. I mean, like, you had all these guys that were really getting the, the running backs, but, like, the ball was distributed between so many more people. It's That's been kind of one thing that's odd to me about Jeff Levy's offense is that it's really been three receivers and Braden Willis um, that have got the bulk of the targets this year. Is it unfair in terms of them not having a wide receivers coach? Like, I, I think right. that group has really struggled right be, now. could be, yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, uh, what do you think, Josh? I, I think that they're obviously going to have to go out and hire – a wide receivers coach like I I don't know I mean how does that affect the Anthony Evans situation if he has a really good relationship with Damian Washington I I don't know I, I find that to be kind of fascinating and then you look up on Saturday and there's a lot of talk about you know wide receivers just not being able to get open I I think guys I mean and you guys can you'd have a better feel for it than me but my general feeling on that when it all happened was like Damian Washington could go take that job and make it his but I don't think it was ever like, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be his. Or I didn't feel like anything was definite either way. Like, maybe he could do it. Maybe he couldn't. Sorry, we have somebody just rang the doorbell, of course, right as I start talking. And my dogs are letting me know about it. Um, but the the other thing is, um, you know, with, with Washington, like, I, I, you're right, guys. Like, we're not seeing any young guys emerging or – you know, because we heard all offseason, like, Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson, watch out, those guys are going to be really good. They've been non-present. Like, well, and Nick, I know, Nick I hasn't been, yeah, Nick hasn't yeah, been suited like up. But. Been, uh, yeah, it's, it, I know his is a unique situation. But, like, by and large, I mean, nobody has emerged that we didn't already know about. Yeah, and, I, I thought Bunkley Shelton was going to be a breakout. Yeah. Nope. And there, there's just been nothing outside of, like, like Kerry said, those three guys, and I, you just and like, do I feel like Jalil Farouk has clearly been better? Maybe a little, but I don't know if that's not just natural growth of a second-year guy. Uh, so, I, like I said, I, I think you, you probably have to go look elsewhere and figure something else out. And it's not to say that he doesn't have a good relationship with guys. He does. Like those guys like him. But I think Oklahoma knew this was always, you know, like if if this is what comes to pass. I think they always handle that like it was pr a probable reality. So, like, Anthony Heavens has a really good relationship with Jay Valai uh, and Jeff Lebby. And, you know, um, Keon Brown it has, along with Lebby, like, he deals with other guys on the staff as well. So, like, there is there is something of a security blanket there to where, like, oh, if, if this were to change, it's not like, okay, the whole receiver class just blows up. Well, and, and the other, like, maybe you were the one that mentioned this to me, Josh, but, like, if you're Oklahoma, you want like a Brian Hartline guy. You want a you want a wide receiver whisperer. Like, uh, and I you know as much as Ladamian Tomlinson might be you know a good fit. Washington. He what did I say? Tomlinson. Uh, That'd yeah, be interesting. That would be interesting. Lt. Uh, Washington. Yeah. Um, like he's not. You know he's not elite. I mean he doesn't have, like compared to him. I know people bring up Malcolm Kelly a lot, but like he's a guy that has you know. I, I don't want to use that term, something on the wall, um, especially near Thanksgiving. Um, but like, he's a guy that has a reputation now at TCU, like the guys that he's Quentin Johnson. developed. Quentin, Quentin, is it John? Yeah, my Johnsons and Richardsons and 
Boy, uh, getting old. Speaking about the old guy, the pot. No, but I mean, he's a guy, and even the guys when you know Quentin Johnson's been hurt, like to see some of the receivers that they have, like he he look he's his resume looks pretty good to me. Yeah, they've been able to, I mean, make it work. And Tay Barber, Jordan Hudson, that Savion Williams, some public kid, but you know, it hasn't matter who's been in that in in that lineup, and you wouldn't say the same thing for OU, like if. Quinston Johnston was out for, you know, majority of Saturday. If OU had to go a game without Marvin Mims, you would notice it yeah. very, very quickly. What about Jeff Scott? That's a name that's been th- yeah. thrown out, I mean, too. He's obviously going to be out there. He got fired by Central Florida halfway through the season. He has the connections back to Clemson with Brent Venables. Yeah. Well, that's, Guys, that's all well and good until Lane Kiffin goes to Auburn and then they hire Jeff Levy. I mean that it, it's all on the table. I mean it, it really is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's a lot of that's kind of the fascinating part about this time of the year. Although I don't know, maybe I've just talked myself into thinking that Ole Miss would want to backtrack a bit after what Lovey did this year. Maybe not so much that as much as get somebody in there that is a proven head coach, yeah, and not give somebody an opportunity. Um, I don't know. I, I have no Although idea. Although you're talking about a school that hired Hugh Freeze. So. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think that anything's possible in Oxford. And we like maybe our – Maybe they go back and hire Hugh Freeze again. Like, I, I have no idea. Uh, if, if SEC schools would just be honest about who they are, they'd all go hire Hugh Freeze. <laughs> like, they don't care. And that's fine. Like, I, I don't, I'm not judging anybody. That's fine. Whatever. Maybe Ole they Miss is, win. They don't maybe, give a shit about the rest of it. Maybe Ole Miss is the ones to uh, give Art Bryles a second shot. I, uh, again, like, they would it shock it? No. It shouldn't shock anybody if it if it did happen. But if that does happen, maybe Jeff Levy would still leave to go coach for his <laughs> <Yes>. father-in-law. <laughs> Which would be amazing. Well, I mean, I, I would think Kendall Bryles would be a name. I'd think say, sure. Would, would it be a race? Like he'd have to choose daughter over son. I mean, that, that could get interesting. No, but I mean, for a head coach, like I, I, I got to think. I mean, it's not all on the offense. They lost a quarterback at Arkansas. Like I, I bet his name is still hot out there. And he's not his father, which is, you know, a bonus for ads. But no, I, I mean. People have I, I brought that up and people have laughed at me like there's no way Jeff Libby's going to get hired as a head coach after this year and I was like I mean he he had several years at UCF and and Ole Miss that were very very good I don't think that this year has like stained Jeff Levy no and I still think that he's a pretty good offensive coordinator I know some other people probably don't but I'd like to see him with a little bit better quarterback. I mean, guys, like everybody's acting like like Oklahoma's twenty second in the country in total offense. Like <laughs> right. it's not like it's some abominable. They're just not thing. fifth, which yeah. you know people are used or to. Or first at a historic level. To me, it's just been the clunkiness at times. Exactly. Sure. Like what yep. what's happening here? Sure. Like I, you know, it would it like the first quarter. You're like, wow, that that's a, you know, that's just a wagon of an offense, and then for three quarters, they look like they didn't know which way was up. Well, it's just amazing that they can go from looking like they did in the first half or the first quarter where everything is clicking. And I mean, it just, it, it seems like they can't be stopped to an offense that like truly couldn't pick up 10 yards in three plays. I, and th- that whole game uh, against Oklahoma state was kind of a synopsis of the season. Was it not? There was some really, really good, some just devastatingly bad 
and a lot of just like what the hell in between. Yep. Guys, do you think that win keeps you know keeps Brent Venables from having to make any tough tough decisions? I think if he wins at Tech, it does. Do you? Okay. Yeah. I don't think. I think if, if are they, there any decisions to have to be made? Even if they do lose, because I don't think that he would be willing to, in a way, say, yeah, I kind of shit the bed when I made these hires the first time around. Because building his foundation, you know, it's going to take a while. The right. problem is that's the, what he's the, been preaching. And, it, and that's pro- what he talked about two weeks ago when he's talking about being a planet, you know, on a separate planet or whatever from where they are a year from now. He said right. that that's what they talk about in the coaches' offices. Yep. Well, it, here's the thing. The, the, the one scapegoat is Ted Roof. Um which, you know, it, the, the problem that Bryn has or that people have that want, want change is, is the worst positions have the best coaches. Todd Bates is, I mean, renowned as, as a defensive line coach. Like, we know it's talent over coaching at that position. Yep. And even at defensive end. It's ta- even though Miguel Chavis doesn't have the experience, we know the talent is not where it needs to be at that position either. Bates can actually point toward Jordan uh, Jordan Kelly, especially during the second half of this year, and it's something Jordan mentioned Saturday. Jeffrey Johnson played really well Saturday. So, they're not elite, of course, but they've been a little bit better with each each passing game here in the last three, four weeks. Uh, by the way, if you want to grab uh, some free team color socks uh, for yourself or some uh, holiday gifts off your list, this week... This week only, our friends over at Dead Soxy are doing a buy one, get one free sale on sock bundles. That's bundles, not just single socks. That means if you buy an eight-pair bundle of any of their premium dress socks, casual socks, no-shows, you get a second eight-pair bundle for free. Now, you only get one uh, BOGO per purchase, buy one, get one. Uh, you can game the system, and they're, they're allowing this by completing separate transactions for each BOGO bundle you want. So if you've got a whole family of fans, game the system with multiple transactions to cover everybody, just use the code SCOOP at checkout, and you've got yourself a free bundle of your new favorite socks. So, yeah, uh, it's cold out. You might think, uh, well, I don't need no-shows right now. Do it. Do separate transactions. Get your, get your no-shows. Do one for your premium dress socks, your casual socks. Do it. Go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Use that promo code SCOOP. At checkout, and you've got yourself a free bundle of your new favorite socks. So go check them out. Great deal. Holiday deals. They're coming. This is one of the best you're going to get. So uh, deadsoxy.com, great friend of the podcast. And as always, stay soxy. Okay, so uh, we, you know, I thought about making this like, let's start the show out with this because there's so much buzz about recruiting, and you know, people are just, you know, it, the site traffic has been ridiculous since the OSU game. People really want to know about what, is going on in OU and there've been uh, commitments, but there's also a couple of big fish out there. We've already said their names on the podcast. So Josh, uh, let's start there and, and we'll let you and, and uh, Bob kind of work your way through recruiting here. Yeah. You know, uh, like I said, I, you know, we talked a little bit about it earlier. This was a defensive heavy weekend. It always going to be, but I, I just, I was really impressed with, again, and I thought they did this all season. Like they really did a nice job of keeping a good quality number there and not letting it get out of hand. Like uh, there, I, I haven't talked to any guy 
that didn't, you know, that that was a priority guy that didn't get some time with the coaches, didn't get to talk to Coach Venables. And I know he talked about that today in his press conference, you know, having to navigate that a little bit and be cautious with that. But I, I think they did a really good job and, you know, talking, you know, obviously already have two commitments out of the weekend in uh, Ashton Sanders and Taylor Wine. And then uh, I, I put in a forecast a little while ago for Kendall Dolby and some notes that I've got up on the board. So, um, there is, there's a lot of positive buzz. And I mean, we'll get into some of the other individual names I know here in a second, but yeah, I, I, I think Oklahoma did about as well as they could have out of that weekend. I would, and I, we talked about it on the, uh, the post game podcast, just as far as like atmosphere and things that were centered around the Bedlam game and obviously the performance, it, I don't think it could have gone better for a team that was five and five. You kind of go, eh, well, what are they going to really get? It was, I, I thought it was a very successful presentation on top of what they were also able to uh, to sell to some of these guys. Yeah, you know, um, you, you look, and you look at some of the performances, like obviously Peyton Bowen and Bill, uh, Peyton, yeah, Peyton Bowen and Billy Bowman. Boy, that's going to be tricky if that becomes a pairing. Um they they had a relationship. Billy having a nice night that surely didn't hurt Oklahoma. Like you mentioned, Jordan Kelly playing really well in front of David Hicks. Like there are, there were several things, and I I always hearken back to the the Bubba Moses game with Jermaine Gresham on hand. Like we're all you know like, and it you can't do that really on defense. It doesn't work like that. But I I thought it was a good showcase for a lot of the things that they're talking about. And I know, uh, you know. A guy that I mentioned on Twitter, and I know we've all talked about him a lot over the last month or so, is Deshaun White really coming along and having a good game. Because, guys, I cannot tell you how many players tell me they're in line to be the cheetah in this class. Like, right? there are <laughs> There's six roughly of them. 75 <laughs> yes. cheetah recruits. So, it, it is, everybody's going to get their chance to be the guy. Josh, because of the performance, should we not be too surprised how quickly the dominoes have started falling? I mean, we're we're again we're so used to just okay, great visit. But it's going to take a week or two or two two or three before stuff finally starts happening. Has it been shocking to you at all that we had two within the first forty eight hours? I I really wouldn't say so because those are two. That, you know, and I, I can say it now. So my initial interview with Ashton Sanders, there was at least three things that he would say. And then he came back and was like, could you not put that in the story? Like, cause he knew that he basically said, I'm going to commit to Oklahoma on my trip. So like, he was no big surprise. And like, he's he, like the second Todd Bates became involved with him. Like it was like, he just was enamored with that idea. You know, I Carrie talked about it earlier. Like I think, even some OU fans still don't know that Todd Bates means a lot. Like that name, you know, he, he just gets to walk in on a kid that's got a lot of Power Five offers and basically lay his hat on the table, and that kid's coming to Oklahoma. I mean, like that—that's a—that's a nice little easy win. Um, with Taylor Wine, like kind of, kind of different way of getting there, but the same end result was always pretty obvious. I mean, kid grew up like in Oklahoma. His family's a bunch of Oklahoma fans. You know, was born in Edmond. Like there was a lot of reason to think that was going to play out, but I think it is a good sign that we've seen stuff like this before, Bob, where it looked obvious. And then when, yeah. And then when rubber met the road, they kind of hesitated or paused, there was no pause. And I mean, 
to say that in the middle of a season like this that hasn't gone like anybody thought it was going to or wanted it to, I think that's a good sign for what these kids are seeing when they see the inner workings of the program. And then we'll just get right to it. Peyton Bowen, David Hicks, what's the fallout? I mean, I can't believe that's where we're starting. I'm just shocked that that, that's the guys we're going to highlight. No, uh, Peyton Bowen, I I think it would be hard for me to come out of a weekend for a guy that didn't just go ahead and commit and feel much better about OU's chances than I do with Peyton Bowen. I I think Oklahoma is in really, really good shape there. Um, Now, again, I, I... and I know people are like, you always say this part. I do, because I, if, I, if I give positive vibes and then something goes wrong or changes, I hear about it. There's no guarantees. The OU's going to have to finish this job. Like, stuff changes. But as it stands right now, I don't think there's any question that Oklahoma is the most likely destination for him. Um, I think there is still some conversations that are going to have to happen between he and some of his family. I I, I I think it's been pretty obvious for a long time. His mother really likes the idea of Notre Dame and the academics and who, who could blame her. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff moms think about. And there is, there's just no denying that that's a great academic opportunity. So I think there has to, there has been some slow work being done both by, um, I, I would say some other, some members of the family as well as Oklahoma's coaching staff. Um, but I know she has a very good relationship with Marcus Freeman, and there's a lot of you know conversation there. So again, the, the job isn't done by any stretch. I'm not telling you that, but I think if I'm picking now, I'd bet he ends up at Oklahoma, and I think they've done all that they could do to make that happen. I mean, they, they've they've worked this recruitment very hard. Brandon Hall deserves a lot of credit. He's not a guy we've talked a lot about on this podcast, but I think Brandon Hall, you know, if he can pull this off, that's a that's a great first-year win for a guy that, you know, basically the day he showed up was right around the time Peyton Bowen committed to Notre Dame. So he's been fighting an uphill battle the whole time. Um, and then I would say with David Hicks, coming out of the weekend, it all sounded good. It all sounded really good. And then within 24 hours, <laughs> he, he's going to A&M this weekend and then going to take his official visit the weekend before signing day. You know, and there's a couple ways to look at that. Like I, the first is, okay, that's all bad. Secondly, you've already got guys from A&M hitting the portal. Like Donnell Harris, a big time mm-hmm. recruit from a couple classes ago announced, I believe last night that he's going into the portal. There's going to be more and there's going to be guys out of this 2023 class. I bet that drop out. I mean, guys, A&M is, it is teetering on the edge of a real meltdown. They beat right Massachusetts. Uh, in front guys, of five when people. You still, <laughs> wow. What amazing. are they at now? Like three and how seven. How many games is it in four, a row? Four and seven. Four and seven. Yeah. Yeah. They, they beat them in a minute. It was five in a row, count. but then they beat U- UMass. Well, no, no. How many games is it? Like there's some number where they haven't scored 34 points or something on a Division One defense in like 37 games or something like some insane number. And then everybody's like, well, they're going to get it on UMass kind of on a technicality since UMass is just getting into it. <laughs> nope. And oh, we, they still didn't do it. We talked about it this morning, just as far as like, I, I'm sure that there are some people that are back channeling this, that if Jimbo doesn't make a move at offensive coordinator, if he doesn't relinquish the uh, play calling duties, like can they fire him for cause? 
<laughs> like, that, is he sabotaging his own program at some point? I know. Uh, I know. Andy Staples has talked about this some, and he's you know, and he's had people read this contract. Apparently, that contract is airtight. Like, cause is like he gets caught with a co-ed. I mean, like it's got to be bad. Like it's got to be truly justifiable. Like you have harmed the university kind of stuff. I mean, those um, people would not be above sending him to Epstein Island <laughs> just to frame him. Yeah, just, so gonna, could, yeah exactly. just so they could, just so they could, there's get, our cause. Get He's the right pictures, <laughs> get the pictures, get him out of there. It, I, like if I was him, I wouldn't spend any time not in public with anybody but my wife like that that's or well is he married now no he got divorced yeah. that's right yeah, that's what i was like wait little, a second he's got those little m&m kids running around everywhere <laughs> yeah a little uh they're oh, like the God. little malibu's most wanted basically <laughs> that's why it was so funny when they the kids get uh arrested I think me and Bunky Perkins went back and forth about this on Twitter. It's like when they, when the uh, guys were smoking weed out in Columbia, it's like, oh, I wonder who sold them the dime bag. Jimbo's son. <laughs> Malibu's most wanted. Oh, what God. about Dildy? If, oh. if you couldn't get a Dildy, a Dindy, I was thinking basketball for a you second. You were. I was uh, like, All right, let's we'll go. We'll get to them in a second. <laughs> if, if you couldn't get a David Hicks, which... You know, I, I think for him to have to step out of that realm, well, here's there's, the some, thing. Here's there's some, the... some stuff that he's going to probably have to give back, right? And here's the thing on Hicks, though, too. Like, Phil Knight's probably going to put together some big deal for him, like, NIL-wise, too. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, that's another I... hurdle that you have to mess with. Sure. I, I don't know. There's part of me, because, like, David had a lot of suitors he could have looked at, and I he hasn't gone in some of the directions that would make a lot of sense if he was willing to get that far Miami, from home. I, I just, I, I think Oregon was a fun trip to take. Like I, you know, I, I just, I don't believe they're that plausible now, you know, may, maybe you're right. And it's just so gigantic. It can't be ignored. But if you look at Oregon's class, you know, I talked about it last week. They're not doing things like, Oh, Phil Knight's just out there running the world. Like their class is okay. Full of like a bunch of good, solid players. But not many – I mean, it's not even like what Cristobal had it as. So, you know, now we'll see because Dan Lanning's an SEC guy. He's all about the close. So we'll see how they close. But, um, but yeah, I mean, guys, like, I, I don't even know that I really got into my second point. But with Hicks, like I said, if, it's, if it goes badly, how attractive is that visit in December when it's basically a morgue around there? Like, yeah. you know, he's <laughs> – he gets to sit, you know, he gets to set up his meeting with Jimbo Fisher between one guy now, you know, telling Jimbo he's going to transfer and another guy telling him he's going to transfer. Cool. That'll be really hot. That'll be great to sit in that office and hang out. Jeez, Josh, um, that would so be I, like when Mario Edwards came in for after the 2011 season. It, exactly. Exactly. Like that kind of vibe. Like we're just like, oh, God, this is awful. Um, so, it, you know, I, I think people are assuming things not and, and i get it like hicks has burned them once like i understand it um but i i don't think there's any question that he and his dad enjoyed it i think oklahoma answered a lot of questions has done a lot of the stuff and eddie and i've had some conversations about this OU's done a lot of stuff they needed to do to minimize some of the concerns and some of the talking points um that were just there with him so i i think it's just going to come down to a matter of like 
I, am I saying OU is going to do what A&M's doing? Probably not. But they're also, you know, they when he committed, the two programs look like, okay, they're, they're probably, you know, both doing pretty well. They both got a future in the SEC. And one now looks like, well, this could be a total tire fire. Or, and the other one seems to starting to be getting their feet under them. So like we'll, this we'll see where it all goes. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. David Hicks, like, keeping up with the Crimson and Cream, uh, like, uh, money tracker and saying to himself, like, that's my money. That's uh, that's the okay looking deal for me when it's for the entire athletic department. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I would, and I, that, I, that's. I would, I would say this though. I mean, the fact that OU appears to be getting their bleep together with collectives and NIL, like I don't think you have to do anything more than just say, "Look, we're on top of this." Like we're, I know we we weren't, you know, we didn't have this big fund to just give out to people in the beginning. But look, we're building this. People are putting money behind it. The fans are supporting it. Like, to me, you don't have to promise a guy $2 million, but you just have to show him, like, yeah, we're taking this seriously. And, and if you come here, you're going to have opportunities. And I think that that commitment, and just in what they're trying to show, with, you know, everything that they've presented here over the last couple of weeks with the collective And the guy, stuff, and someone matching it. And I, I, I think that they're... It's moving in a lot better direction, I think, now than maybe it was a month ago. And I think Absolutely. it's only going to get continue mm, yeah. to get better and better and better as more people, you know, not only become aware of it, but just the positive progression of the program. Like, I don't think it's a, a uh, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that the donations went up after you beat Oklahoma State. Like, it, it just, that's how that's, that is. It went up when people put their name to it. Sure. I think that, like, who who are we supposed to give to? Oh, sure. Joe C's coming out. Brent's, oh, these are the, this is the one that I'm supposed to help. Right. And that's what they needed. And and they've got that yeah. now. And it's, and it's, it's as, promising. As it moves in the, you know, the same direction with, uh, you know, get everybody getting under the same roof. I think that it will only get stronger as things progress. And obviously if you can cap this with a top five recruiting class or, you know, wherever they're going to finish in the uh, recruiting rankings here at the end of the uh, 2023 cycle, it's only going to get better. And especially if you can hold on to everybody that you think is going to be in. Josh, looking at the other visitors. Real ready? quick, real quick though. I mean, the thing you got sidetracked on was Dindy. Um, Dildy. Dindy. Dindy, yes. Gabe Dindy. You're screwing it up. Say Gabe Dindy there. But, <laughs> Say it. But the possibilities for guys coming out of A&M in the portal, like well, Dindy I, I, being I, one of them. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, somebody at the wide receiver position that Oklahoma's familiar with that might be out there uh, yet again is uh, Luther Burton. Like, I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at that situation. Heard he's kind of a handful. Well, sometimes you got to get – your hands full if you want to go win. There's going to be that theory. You can get a receiver no matter what. There's a whole, that Charlotte receiver hit the portal this morning, and everyone's going gaga about him now. 
Wait a minute. What about Mr. Yeah. what about Mr. Radosovich? Oh, Tanner. Yeah, we got to bring him in. Well, Offensive lineman. <laughs> I mean, we here. can we can get him a an nil deal on our own, can't I, we? Absolutely, absolutely. And he's good Did, friends with Chris Goderup, so I think they're from the same hometown. Oh, really? Okay. I need Did to he check follow with, uh, you back? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're we're family. We're obviously talking about the kid. You from, were. He uh, probably didn't even look at your profile page. He was just like. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's got to be a cousin that's or a cousin. something. It is crazy <laughs> that there is a Radosevich, uh, like, back on the East Coast. I I have no idea how we'd be related. I was told uh, by my radio boss that you are a very athletic individual. I am? Yeah. He said he used to play flag football with you and that you were you were very good. I did? Me? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'll damn tell right him. I did. I asked him, I, I asked him, I was like, are you sure we're talking about the same Eddie? He's like, yeah, Eddie. One hundred percent wasn't. I'll me, say it again. That's okay. We'll take it. If somebody was, I was to call trying, me, to, I was, I was fast trying to. I was trying to set the stage for the Radosevich athleticism that spans generations. Well, I mean that. But apparently, it everybody knows about that, though. I mean, I, I think that that is that just comes with the territory. But yes, we we need to get Sammy B on running, here to talk about it. We've had a long running. He probably at the track. We we got we got to be able to get him. <laughs> got to have a pod po- podcast he from likes, the track. Yeah, got to got to got to find a time when uh, we can get him away from uh, the OTB. <laughs> he would have loved I, Oklahoma City back in the day. Everybody's ringing my doorbell today. I've literally never seen Sam as excited to talk about something. As he was to talk about horse racing, that that was amazing was to amazing. watch. Like yeah. he's, yeah, he's always so even keeled. What was that? Was Chris Long's yeah. podcast? Uh-huh. Is that what that yep. was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were trying to break down games, and he was too busy. He had, he had. <laughs> they were trying to talk about you know sports betting and football, and all he was doing was paying attention to the track. That's great. It was awesome. so funny. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I no, it's good to get him out. Get it good to get him out of. Uh, the shell every once in a while. <laughs> so going back to the Bedlam visitors, Josh, was there anyone that caught your eye, like just in terms of their reaction or now it's changed what they thought of OU or how OU thought of them? Um, I, you know, and, and again, I think it's part of why I put the forecast in today when I did uh, on Kendall Dolby. Like I was kind of thinking Backup he was Bowen? maybe – What's that? Do you think you maybe the backup plan to Bowen? Yeah. The, the, I mean, I, like I, I thought kind of like we talked about last week, kind of a not not necessarily a backup to Bowen, but just like a is he the best guy available that we could go get, you know, as far as from Oklahoma's perspective. And I think it's pretty clear from what I've gathered that he that they just want the guy like they they don't care you know like whatever else happens it's fine uh, you know they told him he might play some nickel he might play some corner he might play some safety they see a lot of versatility in his game a lot of different ways he can attack so um, I, I just see a guy that they they you know and for those that don't know he was voted like the Southwest Conference Defensive Player of the Year in the junior college ranks so I mean like he's a he had a really, really good year for NEO, and um, like I said, again, I I don't think it's taken long to watch this defense and realize how much Oklahoma likes a guy with some versatility. Like we can, they can move you around, they can do this with you, they can do that with you. They kind of like that that type of player. They don't want to pigeonhole a guy. 
I, I know I meander for a while. I'm I'm trying to improve myself and not just talk for seven minutes every time I talk. We've established this before. You're a professional radio guest. Yes. I don't know anything about actually having conversations, but I'll answer questions <laughs> like a champion. Now, uh, do do we need to get a Thanksgiving report on uh, the families here? I mean, is there have the pumpkin patches already been taken care of? I take it. We actually didn't do one this year, Bob. How about you? We definitely did, and they just sat there for weeks and weeks. Pumpkins galore, just sitting on, just sit, just sitting on the porch. Should have some uh, high school kid come by and <laughs> steal them. We'll break them first. It's really funny. Well, that's what you would do. I, you'd I, steal I guess, them, like, and then you'd throw them through the back of a windshield. That's the fun part. <laughs> Cod. <laughs> I've retired from those uh, days. We, we did go <laughs> to one, but like I guess when I think of a, a pumpkin patch, like I'm thinking hay rides and all the other stuff. Like we went to just like like a literal place you go buy a few pumpkins and put them up on your front porch, and then we carved a couple of them for Halloween and that kind of deal. But I have other a question that, was, for you. We, we didn't do a lot of the fall craziness. I have a question for you. How many times a year do you hire a professional or semi-professional photographer to do pictures of the family? We haven't done one since I think the fall of 2020. Hmm. Like I hate pictures. I, I hate take like I. You I'll don't have a say in it. If though. they just want to take. Yeah. No, no. I'll take pictures if they just want. Like I'll pay double if they just want to take pictures of Tiffany and the girls. Like great, take all the pictures you want of them. I don't want to be in a picture ever. And so I think Tiffany knows how much I hate it, so she doesn't ring that bell very often. But. I, I know that I'm getting close. Like, I know that we're about to reach the statute of limitations on how long it's gone without a, a family portrait being taken. I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of crazy helicopter parents out there. I'd, I'd get as many pictures with the girls as I could while I can. Uh, I, I just don't enjoy it. Like, I, there, I've, never, I've never looked at a picture of mine and been like, boy, I need to see more of that guy. Like, <laughs> Never. <laughs> I think all guys are like that. Yeah, that's it's pretty natural. Uh, okay, so outside of that, I mean, are we done? Are we are we updated on all the latest recruiting? Uh, we just asked Josh. Uh, he's going to be making his way up, so he's going to see some okay preps action. You going to stay for Friday and Saturday, or how is that all going to shake out? Well, we're going to – like Saturday is going to be kind of about what's available. Like I need to – kind of hash out what's going to be the best option that kind of I I looked at Friday and then my eyes just kind of watered and I stopped I stopped getting too uh too angry about anything but um obviously going to be there on Friday to watch the 6A matchups now I'm going to say it I'm doing it with a heavy heart and I swear to god if anybody texts me the score of the United States England game I'm just going to lose it so leave me alone I'm going to watch these two high school football games and then I'm going to go home and try to drink as much beer as possible and watch the USA game Tape somehow delayed. not knowing the score. That's literally <laughs> going to be impossible. Don't go on Twitter. Don't go on the I, message board. Don't, don't, what? <laughs> like, my phone alerts me on everything. I'm like, how am I going to turn that shit off? I don't like, think I that that's no going to be impossible. Yeah. I don't even care about soccer, and I get alerts constantly. Now, the good news is, and this isn't good news, uh, have you seen the weather forecast? for Friday afternoon in Tulsa, Oklahoma, America, USA. No. 
it's try about an eighty percent chance of rain. Yeah, in we're like forty-five crummy degrees. conditions. The world is trying to kill Eddie right now. I, I'm never going to be in good weather again. It's gonna be rain here, and then Josh is gonna be like snow and. Lubbock. You so, should have seen Eddie yeah. when he walked in here Saturday night after the game. He looked like a man who he looked like Tuesday someone that Wednesday, just donated the, all his bone marrow. I don't even. Know I would have rather that, have given my bone marrow. Tuesday and Wednesday was the sickest I've ever been, like ever, ever been. It's insane, and I knew it was going to happen. That's the worst part about all of it. I heard that you needed more clothes. It wasn't like cold. It, I, I wasn't just freezing. It was just being so wet. Like my feet were so wet and so cold. <laughs> oh, That's what it boiled down to. Well, I mean, it was so bad. Like the camera was like you, you couldn't even. It's the, the worst, camera was frozen. Basically, it's the worst weather we've ever shot in. It, it, it was worse than Kansas State 2013. At least with that. I knew it was going to be frigid cold. But it was just, it was like a dry, it cold was, air. Yeah, it was just, like, yep. and it was just freezing. I mean, and even like Bedlam, the couple, a couple weeks later, is, it was cold, but it wasn't like, it wasn't There's bad. There's ice everywhere. Morgantown was just, it was miserable. It was the most miserable experience I've ever gone through in shooting a game. Well, he, he Two of the three was, of us got I was like very, very sick. Ryan Chapman was very sick. Eddie took one for the team and more. I mean, he was yeah, messed up. I almost died. I thought Tuesday night, I thought I was I thought that was it. Did you call the priest? I called my mom and said, if I call you during the night and I'm not like talking to you, I that means like I can't breathe anymore. You need to come get me. <laughs> but they wouldn't have been able to come get me because they can't get in with the building. So I, I don't know say. what would have happened. I probably would have just died. You're here, though. You made it. Well, I'm a survivor. Type A flu, COVID, anything comes your way. Type A flu was so much worse than COVID, I can't even begin to describe it. Well, guess We've what? just teleported back to 2020. I was told yesterday my nephew who lives with my parents has got flu right now, so oh, going into awful. that this weekend. Flu, they, they did say, like, it, flu is just ravaging the country right now. I don't like it. Don't like it. Uh... All right, so we got hoops. We got hoops. It's not as bad. We've determined it's getting better. Some uh, at times, at times, for sure. ESPN events invitational, invitational coming up this week. Three Nebraska games, four o'clock. Three games in four four days, starting with the Huskers. Is it a predetermined round robin, or do you win in advance? Win in a, okay, a, yeah. You know, you'll still play your fifth and your seventh place games and things. You're guaranteed. The three, three, games. three games, but it's about who you're going to end up playing. And so, you know, they're coming in three, three and one really had to gut out that South Bama win. I, I kind of saw that one coming with the way that they had played New Mexico and, and Bama that the, the Jags were going to be a really tough out. And so that's why it meant a lot to, for a Porter to, you know, be able to make the winning plays in the final couple, couple minutes compared to what they did against uh, Sam Houston. And now Sam Houston looks okay beating the Utes in Utah this last week. So you know, you're trying to look for any positive. That quad's getting better. That, that, he said he said that net rating is going to be better than people think. That's exactly oh, no. that is what Porter said about Sam Houston. Well, you, you, you look at this field. It's Wasn't a, it Jacob Groves? All he had to do was make a bunny. 
Tanner. Tanner. Oh, just Tanner. Okay. Tanner. But then Jacob Groves had the winning plays on Friday between the desperation three with three seconds on the, the shot clock and then the chase down block that I would never guess that Ch- Jacob Groves could pull off something like that. So they were able to find a way to get done. Go Go to this field. It's good. It's not elite. It's not like some of the other ones that we've been seeing throughout the course of the last two, three days, but a very strong early season test to get a gauge of where you stand with the rest of the Power 5 schools. You're saying it's not Maui with <laughs> Arkansas Creighton tonight, which is going to be an unbelievable man. game, and uh, Arizona-San Diego State. Those are both those, that four really good basketball teams. Hopefully, oh, you can look like a real good basketball team throughout the course of the weekend. It starts with the Huskers, which is kind of funny because you bring in Doc Sadler, and he was just the special assistant for Fred Hoiberg uh, uh, the last three years, and then here comes Doc. So he should know a lot about the Huskers, but you know, they, I think they get by that one. Memphis, Seton Hall, that to me, if they can advance to that and play one of those teams Friday, that to me would be the real gauge of where, where you stand at, at, at this point in the year. I'm trying to figure out, does Nebraska have like what OU wanted, which is a, like a, a like Texas has now, which it's an arena off campus, but like around an entertainment district, or is that an on-campus thing that Nebraska has? It's well, a new we arena. It, it, I don't know how to explain it. I guess it's technically on, it, like downtown, but downtown is, is that on campus? No, no. Okay. So it's it's right there, from, like it's yeah. right there. But Lincoln is very close together. Yeah, yeah it, for, it's it's weird how you like drive into Lincoln and then it's just everything's right there. Yeah, it's cool though. I know I, they they sell it out for volleyball and stuff. Like, I really like, get well, they're they're elite there. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like I mean, it's like fifteen thousand or something. Moody Center looks awesome though. It's yeah. small, it's compact. You know, I I think that uh, I got in trouble from Baylor fans for making fun of. Not making fun of, but the arena that they're building to replace the uh, Farrell Center, I think it only seats like eight or nine thousand. Mm-hmm. But that's the way that everybody's kind of going towards right yeah. now. Is you don't go for the big fifteen thousand seat arena in there, and you get eight thousand. And it looked like uh, it was an awesome atmosphere down at the Moody Center for uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Gonzaga a couple nights yep. ago. I mean, I think that's something that Oklahoma fans should be very jealous about. Uh, what do we know early about the Big 12 and hoops? They're winning. Really, a lot. Really I mean, good. everybody is good. Kansas beat Duke. Baylor lost to Virginia, then comes back and beats the Bruins. Texas beats Gonzaga. I mean, there's been Thrash some. Everybody's really good nice except wins. for uh, the state of Oklahoma. The right state now. of Oklahoma struggling yeah, a bit. <laughs> OSU is. I mean, like as bad as it started for OU, it's not nearly you know, it's what been, OSU's it's, going it's, through. It's worse in Stillwater than yeah. it is in Norman for sure. Can't the uh, Kansas State with. Jerome Tang off to a really nice start. Haven't played anybody, but they've dominated just like you're supposed to do when you play teams that you're supposed to beat pretty easily. So how, it, it's going to be another t- tough tech, run. Tech's the same tech. I mean, they got yep. beat by Creighton yesterday in Maui, but you're, you're going to lose to Creighton. Be, yeah. Creighton's an Elite Eight Final Four possibility. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, just Again, thanks to everybody. Uh, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving and uh, get a chance to spend some time around your family. Uh, t- take some time out for your kids like Bob and, and Josh are doing. So uh, we'll be here on the other side. Eddie and I will be here pretty much all the time anyway. Uh, and uh, I'm just running down to see the, the parents and my sister had flown in uh, from uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, I think is where she lives. She moves a lot. Um, so, uh, looking forward to that. And then we'll be back at it, uh, 
full tech game this weekend, full post-game pod. Uh, Eskridge Lex is taking care of us, getting us down there. So thanks to them. Um, but outside of that, guys, any last words before we get out of here today? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm really excited about the uh, 6A1 semifinal games coming up on Friday. Jinx don't, Bixby don't rematch should be sick. pretty good. Don't get sick. Oh, I'm probably going to get sick, but, you know, I, I do it for all of you guys. I, my health is, uh, you know, obviously not important. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be ready to do it, you know, when I get there. I'll be there suffering with you, Eddie. So we'll, we'll just get sick together, buddy. That's right. Great. That's right. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back again uh, for the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast over this weekend, and then uh, once again uh, next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 podcast right here from Soonerscoop.com.